you know, mom and dad's role isn't just to not traumatize us. <laughs> you know, I get, I get people that say all the time, well, I had a great childhood. Mom and dad were amazing. They were very loving. So I don't think I need inner child work. Yeah. And my response to that is, okay, so mom and dad didn't traumatize you, but that they did they develop you function in the areas that are important so that we can function well as adults, like expressing your needs and wants, giving yourself what you need and want, boundaries with yourself and others, vulnerability, connection to yourself. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Journey of a Fearless Female. I am your host, Paola Rosser, and this week, my guest is Anat Perry. She's the CEO and founder of Training Camp for the Soul, TCS, and renowned creator and master facilitator of the TCS method. She's an inner child healing expert in the coaching and wellness space who has devoted her life to empowering those at the forefront of the coaching industry to scale their business, overcome overwhelm, build confidence, and master their craft while attracting their ideal clients. Her approach to healing and personal growth isn't merely informative. It is profound experience that curates lasting change. Anat's background blends traditional healing arts and modern psychology with somatic and inner child reparenting techniques that have enabled her to guide hundreds of practitioners, business owners, and their teams through the TCS method. The method creates the kind of change that shapes the future of the world of leadership as we know it. Everybody, please welcome Anat. Welcome to the thank show. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You're wearing my favorite color. Oh, thank you. Okay. So tell us, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, I'm wearing pink. <laughs> and if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe. So Anat, let's talk about your journey as a fearless female. Where did it all begin? Yeah. So I've been in the industry, the self-development industry for just last week celebrated 19 years. And when I went into it, I was in my mid twenties and I, I, I was drawn to it really because my mom and I were just struggling. It was a constant battle. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll do this with you. You'll see I'm right. And you're wrong. And the second I experienced my first event, you know, being around other people, I just knew I was home. I was mm. like, I love witnessing people have their aha moment, experience that yeah. change in that way. And so, uh, and not much change with my mom and I at that point, but I got hooked on really exploring and developing myself in that way. And eight years later, my life still looked like shit. I had a mm. lot of knowledge, a lot of awareness, but I was still, I was living in New York city. I was in a five-year codependent relationship. I had no self-love. If you asked me then, I wouldn't have said that, but hindsight 2020, looking back, like I didn't have any self-love. I was constantly anxious. Mm. Uh, like I loved being in New York, but I also couldn't stand like being around all the people. And at the same time, I was, I couldn't be by myself. Like I felt a lot of anxiety when I would be alone. So I always was dependent on other people. I was lost in my careers, hopping from like sales job to sales job to startup to just really lost. Um, and at the same time, wanting to make a difference. 
like I stuck around this organization and learned a lot of skills about developing myself uh, because I wanted to be a coach, because I wanted to make this impact. But I knew that I needed to do that for myself first. Mm-hmm. Yet all the tools at the time were only scratching the surface, which is mm-hmm. why like eight years later, I had nothing to show for it. And it really took hitting my rock bottom, like, which is, I never thought I would leave that relationship. I was going to try and make it work forever. And then he got home from a weekend trip and I found a note. It's like a movie, right? Like, yeah. I was like, I was like, he's acting different. He's going outside at like 10 o'clock at night. Like, oh, he was going to call her. So um, something like the next morning he was gone and and I heard this voice say like, just go check his backpack. Wow. And I go, Isn't yeah. it crazy how intuition, like it, it literally gives you this, like a voice, <laughs> like an audible voice, go check his backpack. <laughs> it's almost like your highest self was telling you, go do this now. Yeah. I found the note. It was like literally one of those hotel, you know, the, the little note note pads yeah. that are by the bed that said like, so wonderful to meet you, XOXO, Joanna and her phone number. And I'm like, why would you fucking keep this piece of paper? Like you have yeah. a cell phone. You already have your her number programmed in there. Like, okay, there's definitely something here. He kept this. This is like sentimental or something. And I went into the bathroom in the shower and I bawled my eyes out. But I said to myself, Anat, now you can let go. You have known for so long that this isn't it, that this isn't your person. But like now you have permission, like you can let go. And so I talked to him that night. I approached him about it. He tried to lie and say, oh, no, no, I didn't meet anyone. I'm like, I found a note. He's like, okay, fine. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. You caught me. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I I really sat with myself the next day. Like I went to a friend's house and said, you know, hmm, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? I've been living with him. We've been living together. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done with New York. I've been staying here for him. California has been calling me for years and bought it one way ticket. And three mm-hmm. weeks later, was on a literally three weeks later was on a one-way ticket to san diego with two thousand dollars to my name mm. no job lined up no car because in new york city you don't need a car no no home no plan forty thousand dollars in debt oh god and, and one friend in san diego and that was 11 and a half years ago and it was such it was it it was this feeling of like well you can't fall off the floor. So it's only up from here. Meaning there was nothing that I felt that I had that I still wanted. So it was, it was, I don't want to use the word easy, but it really gave me the courage to take that leap and get on that plane and be like, well, like I'm at ground zero. So let's start here. And it was also a very humbling experience because you know, the attitude of living in New York City and growing up on the East Coast is very much if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And we're mm-hmm. a little cocky and we're forceful <laughs> and we're in our masculine energy and go, go, go and just push through and hustle and and just do it. 
And that got me to ground zero, right? Like that mm-hmm. got me no. And so I got here to California and I was like, I was almost 33 years old. And I was like, clearly God universe. I don't know what is best for me because look at where I, what I have. So take the wheel, like take over. I surrender. I am letting go of force or fear. I'm just going to live every day, moment by moment. God, you, you bring me whatever is next mm-hmm. for me. And it was, yeah, it was nothing, nothing shy of miraculous from the friends, the home, the, the job that showed up through a new friend that I met that then led me to exploring new things that I never did before, like yoga and meditation and plant medicine and yeah, the world of manifestation and starting to see for the first time, oh, this relationship went the way that it went because I was bitter. I was angry. And at the same time, a part of me wanted him back. Like, mm, fucked up yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. So I was all kinds of mess. And I, I knew that there was like, I started to see where I didn't love myself where this Mm -hmm. only went the way that it did because I didn't love myself. I did not know how to love myself, how to take care of myself, how to spend time with myself. So I took on a hundred days of dating me a hundred days. Yeah. I don't know where like two months into it It was around Thanksgiving 2012. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take on a hundred days of dating me. And it was, and I thought that after those hundred days, I'd be, I'd be fixed. I'd be healed. I'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was just the beginning of, of my willingness to sit in the discomfort of the times when I would want to reach for the phone and call a new friend or feel like I need to go to a party in order to like, like I need to merge with other people's energy that like, mm-hmm. I can't just sit with myself. And yeah, and then that led me to more beautiful unfoldings and Ugh. and the beginning of like my plant medicine journey, which showed me a lot. And the first time of actually feeling like I'm in my body. Yeah. I got to okay. See how Before much we I- go into the plant okay. medicine uh, experience, I love that you said that you did do all the self help and the conferences. Yeah. Um, and that you still were not like doing it right. Because I, I felt the same thing. I got the book, The Secret in 2006. And yeah. I did manifest, like I manifested the job, the boyfriend, the friends, the, but it was still toxic because I tell everyone the program that was inherently running me, even though I was like, oh, shiny object, shiny object, was that I was unlovable, not good enough, unwanted, you know, undeserving and so it is super important to do the inner work because the outer work is easy. It's the inner work that's the hardest. And like you said, doing a hundred days of falling in love with yourself. I mean, can you tell us a little bit more how, because it is uncomfortable. Like you said, you're used to being around other people and calling your friend when it's, you know, I was the same way. I lived by myself. So it was hard for me to be alone. So I'd have like, as soon as I get off of work, I would have a list of people I would call. Mm-hmm. just to talk about my day because I wanted someone to be there because I was single and I lived in a small studio apartment and I had to learn how to just sit and be alone with my thoughts and to truly just accept 
everything about me. And that's a hard thing to do. People think, oh, it's so easy to just do the inner child work and just do some self-love. No, it's it's a lot of work. So tell us about that journey of doing 100 days. How did it start? And then how did you end up? Uh, to be honest with you, I was just shooting from the hip. I did not know. I did not have any guidance. I just, I, I just knew I had to put this hard boundary on myself and allow myself to start to experience it. But hindsight 2020, looking back now, um, I would say that my ego was still running the show. Mm. And here's the thing about your ego. Your ego is not bad. Your ego is your amigo. Your ego <laughs> I like that. I've never heard that. Your ego yeah, is yeah, your please. amigo. <laughs> your amigo, meaning it's the ultimate protector. When you don't know how to tend to your inner child and your inner child is your emotions, when you don't tend to that, it's like not tending to your child and getting a babysitter instead, right? Mm -hmm. So your ego is that protector. It's that babysitter that comes in when you don't know how to tend to yourself, except for the ego's job isn't to help you heal and feel. It's to distract you. It's to let's look external to feel better. Mm -hmm. And so I would say I was doing my best, but I was still scratching the surface. I needed the mentorship. And the mentorship came a year later. I met uh, a body-mind psychologist who'd been facilitating deep healing work for 40 years. Mm. And working with him was the first time in my, at that point, 10 years of being in transformational work that I experienced what real transformation is. And it's not a walk in a park on a beautiful, sunny California day. It's a walk through a burning forest and there's some dragons to slay. Meaning, mm. yeah, like like you said, it's painful, it's uncomfortable, there's grief, there's sadness, it's messy, it's scary, it's unknown. That's what the journey looks like, not aha moments mm -hmm. sitting in a seat, clapping and thinking that like, oh, I get I, it. <laughs> I get it. I can go from this to creating a new affirmation and now it's all good. Mm -hmm. No, that's trimming weeds. You know, you yeah. got to get hurt, get messy and get in there. And, you know, it was the first time that I started to see where my relationship with my dad, who I held up on a pedestal, um, was even though I, I, it was obvious to me, my relationship with my mom was 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 <laughs> was a shit show, was mm -hmm. rocky. But I thought it was daddy's little girl. And like, yeah, there's no there's no issues there. And what I started to learn is that it's not who you are, it's what you learn. And if you, if you learned it, you can unlearn it. And that what I learned from my dad always working when I was young and him being my world, because your dad is the role model for love, for the world, for a relationship with others. What I learned from that experience of dad always working. And I mean, he ran a hotel, so he was gone from like 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And every and maybe, holiday. <laughs> right. So maybe like one day on the weekend, I'd see him and we'd go to the beach with the family. Like I never had one-on-one -on -one time with him. How that imprinted me was you don't matter to others. Mm. You're invisible. Others, because dad represented, 
others, right? Mm -hmm. The world will always put something else before you. Mm. And my way of surviving that was to look and see how I can help dad whenever he was around. Mm. And when I had this realization with my mentor, I literally sunk into the couch. Mm. Like, like, oh my God. And the reason I sunk into the couch is because at that exact moment in time, I was dating a man who was a chiropractor and I had just talked to him about me quitting my day job so I can come help him at his chiropractic office. Why? Because he was there a lot and I wanted time, more yeah. time. with There's the pattern. I keep choosing emotionally unavailable men and then doing what I can to adjust myself to get time to be with them, just oh. like I did with my dad. What a beautiful realization. I think that's such a big part of like unlearning the things that we're taught is when you can recognize the pattern that you're repeating. Um, and that's something that I, I talk about all the time here on the podcast. And I talk to my clients is when we can really dig into our childhood and the program that is running us and figure out the pattern is when we can actually break it and create a new program and start a whole new healthier pattern. Exactly. One that is aligned more with our heart, like being heart driven as opposed to ego driven mm -hmm. because we feel safe. And so, you know, it took a lot of unlearning what I learned from my mom. You know, mom represents an extension of self. So mm -hmm. you learn everything about how to talk to yourself, take care of yourself, treat yourself, love yourself from mom. Mom's our safety. So having to reparent that and learn how to nurture and feel safe within myself that I was actually even able to look at this part of me, to look at my relationship with my dad and experience the heartbreak from it. Mm -hmm. That what, you, what I think a lot of us women don't want to see is where the first love of our life, daddy, let us down. Mm -hmm. He didn't keep showing up the way he did the very first time he held us. And it's not his fault. No. You know, society tells us a lot. Like my dad was, my dad is still an incredible, loving father who is still a workaholic, <laughs> still of <laughs> you know, support. Like he was just great supporting in that way. He never yeah. learned how to, you know, sit and be present and playful and all that when he was raising me in his in his 20s. Yeah. And so I I finally had the safety within myself to be willing to look at that and grieve mm -hmm. and feel the heart and feel the sadness that was underneath it all that my little girl had from not having the love, the time, the attention that she needed, that we all need in order to develop functionally. You know, mom and dad's role isn't just to not traumatize us. <laughs> you know, I get... I get people that say all the time, well, I had a great childhood. Mom and dad were amazing. They were very loving. So I don't think I need inner child work. Yeah. And my response to that is, 
okay, so mom and dad didn't traumatize you, but that they did things develop you function mm -hmm. in the areas that are important so that we can function well as adults, like expressing your needs and wants, giving yourself what you need and want, boundaries with yourself and others, vulnerability, connection to yourself. So for example, if you had a mom that was like, oh, mom was wonderful. She took care of us. She did everything around the house. She was always attentive to us. Oh, that's wonderful. Beautiful. Did you ever see her sit down and do anything for herself? No. Oh, okay. And you wonder why you struggle now to self-care and to mm -hmm. take the time for yourself. Because you learn to keep busy, put others first, and that don't have needs or that your needs don't matter. Yeah. And so there's an example where you might have had a really loving, wonderful mom, but what she imprinted you with, what you learned was to self-sacrifice and mm. to not take care of your own needs. And so it's really for everyone. Yes. And same thing with like, I get those kind of people too, that say, I never was traumatized. I, I don't have any ch inner child trauma and they have failed relationship after failed relationship. And then you get down to talking to them and you're like, did you ever watch your parents hold hands or kiss? Did you ever watch your parents go out on a date? Did you ever watch your, you know, parents mm -hmm. soothe each other, you know, or, and they're like, no, no, no. And that's your love pattern because there was yeah. no love there and you you don't know how to accept love because you never were emulated that pattern so it does everything I really do believe everything goes back to your childhood and yes you may not have been spanked or traumatized or sexually molested or emotionally abused there's a lot of things that we learn as children you know because you know Dr. Um, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton uh, yes. you know, Joe Dispenza, they all talk about, and even the Bible says, you know, give me, uh, show me the boy, give me the boy from zero to seven. I'll show you the man because everything that we learn is taught to us between zero to seven. Our brain is literally in a different, uh, frequency. I think it's like the alpha or Delta. I don't remember. And beta, you're just beta. beta. And all you're doing is downloading, Bunch. downloading, 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 yep. downloading. Okay. So this is how we act when we, uh, get hurt. This is how we act when we're angry. This is how we respond when someone treats us like shit. Okay. This is how we treat people who work for us. Like we're just constantly taking in and the parent is not necessarily telling you, Okay, now when you get angry, you respond like this. No, you're watching them. You're mirroring yep. how they're acting. And so we're learning how to regulate our nervous system by watching. And if we're not given that space to like regulate our nervous system and be like, okay, that self, because I think about this all the time. My mom and I didn't have a really good relationship. And whenever I would cry, like I was just telling my husband this story, I got, uh, my sister stabbed me in the hand and I was bleeding. Whoa. Yeah. I remember going to my mom and my mom was like, which means shut up and get the hell out of my face. And just recently, my stepson got hit in the face with a hockey stick and he's bleeding out of his nose. And both of us, me and my husband were like, oh my God, come here. Are you okay? Let's get some ice. Like, are you okay? Like, um, how are you feeling? You know, just allowing him the space to feel the feelings and to feel that he is safe now and that we're helping him with that injury yeah. it's two different environments and it took me a long time i'm 44 going to be 44 in january the end of january and it's like took me a long time to figure out how to regulate my own nervous system you know yeah. and, and really yeah. like 
like reparent that inner child that didn't get the parenting that she deserved when she was a little baby. And it's exactly. so important to go back and do that because it yeah, does it, influence it, all areas of your life. Yeah. You know, I love that you said all this spot on, you know, we either copy or we rebel. Sometimes it's that you don't copy, you do the exact opposite or you create a way to survive, but everything mm -hmm. you learn by what you see here or feel energetically and either how mom felt about herself or how she made you feel. Mm. But all of this, like you said, is training our nervous system. And so the power of inner child work is that it's really the access to expanding your capacity of your nervous system, expanding your capacity to hold more energy. Because to me, the inner child is, yes, it's our, it, it's our past, it's that little one, but today how it shows up is it's your emotions. Every emotion, whether it's happy, joyful, horny, <laughs> or it's anxious, scared, you know, angry, whatever mm -hmm. it is, I want you to imagine that that's that that younger version of you is walking into your bedroom right now, and that's the part of you that's saying, "I feel dot dot dot," mm -hmm. or or you know, "I believe dot dot dot," and starting to reparent in that way. At the same time. Your inner child is also the sensations that you have, the emotions that you have, the energy that's there, the nervous system. So if you grow up in a chaotic home, your nervous system is programmed for chaos. Mm -hmm. It's used to that. It's familiar. Where being in like a peaceful, calm relationship, you might be like, uh oh, I don't trust this guy. Mm -hmm. Or like sabotage it because you're not used to that emotion that experience and so the more we give permission for ourselves to feel exactly whatever it is that we're feeling the more we're training our nervous system yeah I I have an example I grew up in a very toxic chaotic environment I mean I always felt like my inner child was walking on eggshells and now I'm married to a, a wonderful husband I have a peaceful home my steps in and we all have a really great relationship and I remember one Saturday, we're all sitting on the couch on a Saturday night. I mean, literally the house, the life that I live now is what I imagined as a child. Like, that's mm. what I would beg God for. Like, why can't we be like yeah. the people on TV, you know? Yeah. And I, and here we are just, you know, our, my stepson came home from college. My other stepson, 16, we're, we ate dinner together. We talked about what we did all day. We laughed, we joked, we played a, a you know, board game and then we were watching a movie and I'm just sitting there and I'm having crazy anxiety. I have nothing to be anxious about, like absolutely nothing. And my husband is watching me do my breathing exercises. And he's like, what's wrong? What's, what's going on? And I was like, that's it. Like, there's nothing wrong. It's just my, my body, my nervous system is like, there has to be something wrong. It can't be this peaceful. It can't be this good. Something is going to happen. Another shoe is going to drop. Some eggshell is going to break. Someone's going to get pissed off. Like my inner child was like, this is weird. This is not normal. Mm -hmm. It's time to panic. <laughs> and I have to calm her down. I, I have this mantra that I tell everybody. It's I'm safe. I'm sound. I'm divinely protected. And I, mm. I have to do the breathing exercises. And I have to say that in my head over and over until I could calm her down. Because my inner child within me is like, no, 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 this is, this is, 
uh, you know, alert, alert, uh, abort, abort. There's something going on. Right. And I have to give her that space to, to calm her down and be like, no, we don't live in that environment anymore. We live here and it's peaceful and it's safe and I'm loved, surrounded by love and I'm protected and you're okay. And I have to give her that space. But there are times <laughs> where yeah. the inner child takes over too much. And then I, the adult version, have a breakdown. And again, I have to go through all the yeah. tools and all the things to get myself back into alignment. And I, I'm so much better now because before when I didn't have the tools, it would take me months to recover from a trigger or months to get past like someone who hurt me. And now it's just like I could do it in a day, but I still want to get to the point where it just doesn't phase me at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I always um, share that if you could relate to your inner child, to your emotions at the level of felt sensation. So below the label, because the label we judge and if mm -hmm. it's quote unquote bad, then we go into our head and we try and fix it and fixing it is just trimming the weed mm. instead getting curious about where where do you feel that in your body and what's this what does it have a size a temperature a color a texture and the importance of that is that sensations is the language of the nervous system mm. so the more that you speak in sensations the more your nervous system literally knows how to process and digest that energy and then it goes from being an unfamiliar sensation to your nervous system to something that it's like, oh, I've tasted this before. I've processed this before. Okay, I know what to do here. Mm. And you have more capacity. And that's really what it is about training our nervous system to have the full range that we used to have. Yeah. You were born, right? You see a newborn they can go from laughing one second to crying literally two seconds later. And you're like, how is that? Because there's just complete openness and fluidity in the nervous system. Mm -hmm. There isn't this freeze or flight or fight response. And so we get to retrain our nervous system to ride any wave of emotion yeah. that comes through being with it at the level of sensation and naming it, observing it, just like a laser that's beaming, focusing on wherever you're feeling that in your body, and then accepting it, meaning there's nothing to change or fix, because mm. that's the mind that wants to fix it and judge it. It's really just, oh, this just needs to be processed, mm. like, like like chewing on, you know, a steak, you're not going to shove the whole steak in your mouth in one shot and say, how do I, how do I swallow this? Like <laughs> bite at a time, really being patient. And what they find, they've done studies of this in Harvard is that from when you fully accept and experience an emotion, when there's full permission to marry that energy, to be in it, to express it, it takes 90 seconds. Mm. 90 seconds, you can move an emotion. It doesn't mean you're going to move through grief in 90 seconds. It means that it comes in 90 second waves from when you fully accept it. And at, most of the time, people are spending a lot of time either trying to fix it, uh, resist it, change it, 
and that or they're adding they're fueling it yeah you're sad about something or you're scared about something and you're now telling yourself all these stories that compound it so now you Mm -hmm. don't have 90 about like three minutes of stuff to move through yeah is that what the tcs uh tcs method is about yeah so i mean that's part of it the tcs method is is really about moving through what i call the five stages of healing there takes five stages to to trans to to, to experience lasting transformation Mm -hmm. can you tell us about the five stages i I can i can (laughs) so stage one is awareness and usually whatever you're aware of may still be on the surface and so there's a lot of room to explore in awareness and you could do this on your own or you could do this being you know facilitated one of the best ways to explore deeply and get connected to the inner child is through imagining that you're calling your best friend, right? Because mm-hmm. when you call your best friend, there's no filter. You could just let it be messy. But instead of your best friend, it's your journal. And you're going to dump it all out and not worry about full sentences, not worry about just like as you're hearing or feeling something, you dump it out because mm-hmm. it is chaotic and a mess when you keep it in your body and in your mind. And when you dump it out, you can actually start to hear who you need to hear. Because if you keep it in your head, you're going to hear the loudest voice. And the loudest voice is your ego or your inner critic. It is not your, it is not. Yeah. So you dump it out and then you go back and you circle anywhere that you heard, I, I feel dot, 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 or I feel like, or I am. That's your inner child. And then you need to bring more awareness to, What are the ways that I'm avoiding this or protecting myself from this? Who did I learn this from? Whose energy is this? Is this mom's or is this dad's or is it both? Did I copy? Did I rebel? Did I survive? And so then you're, you're, you're expanding the level of awareness that you have from that, you know, one little thing that triggered you. Yeah. And then stage two is acceptance. And like I said, this is the hardest stage for people to get through. Because we're programmed to want to fix it and make mm-hmm. it go away. And acceptance is about being with it, nothing to fix, nothing to change, and getting curious, bringing loving curiosity to it. Acceptance is like being in the ocean, right? And you're with a surfboard and you're just accepting the waves that come. Some are small and some are big. But if you freeze and just stand there, you're going to get hit with it. Yeah. So learning to ride the waves of our emotion, learning to accept it. And sometimes accepting it means, wait, you want me to accept this? Oh, oh, that brings up so much more like, yep, exactly. There's the wave. It tastes like, oh, but I feel like I want to throw up. Great. Marry, ride that wave, marry that energy. Don't swallow, marry it, ride it, let, like, how much can you allow yourself to connect to the energy that's there? That's all we are, you know? Even if you don't remember, the body keeps the score. Yes, exactly. And so in that, you start to have more of that somatic release Mm. where the nervous system's like, oh, okay, yeah, let's move this energy. Let's digest this, whether it's yawning or burping, 
or tearing or crying or gagging or mm -hmm. wanting to throw up or getting hot, getting cold. These are all the ways that the nervous system starts to process and digest energy. Mm. Stage three is getting to the root of it. So sometimes there is a need to explore deeper so that we could reparent whatever the programming was that was there. And it could be a memory or it could be, I don't remember. And then I tell people, well, can you imagine if, if it was, yeah, if it's mom, I learned from mom to be hard on myself and that I need to get things right. Well, can you imagine a time or remember a time when mom, when you felt that way? And then going into that visualization, it doesn't have to be a memory. It could just be imagined. The brain does not know the difference. Yeah. And we're only doing it to connect deeper to that little one, to that inner child. See what she saw, hear what she heard, feel what she felt. What did she need in that moment? But if she knew she was safe, she would have asked for it. Mm -hmm. Or what did she need from mom? What did she need to express? What did she do initially? Oh, I shut down. And that's what I do now with people. I shut down. Okay, so if you knew it, you're safe. What did you need from mom? I needed mom to sit with me and hold me and tell me it's okay. You don't make mistakes. I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. And then learning to give yourself that, reparenting that in that way. And it's sometimes simple and it's sometimes pretty hidden because yeah. our identity by this desire for change. So that's where it helps to have a coach. They, that, so this leads to stage four, where there's the reparenting and rewiring. So the reparenting happens, the giving yourself what you needed. And a lot of times there's a release there. Mm -hmm. And the rewiring of when that energy is no longer there, there's space. There's space for something new. And just like pulling out a weed by the root. There's space for a new seed there. So I love the inquiry of asking yourself if it's something self-related, right? If it's mother learning, what's possible now that wasn't before for yourself, with yourself, and seeing what arises. Sometimes it's the opposite of what you came to this exploration, to this process for, and sometimes yeah. it's not. But really having that new declaration. And if it's something related to others in the world and something you learned from dad, then what's possible with others in the world that wasn't before? Hmm. And declaring that. And that's your new script. You know, you're learning here to edit the script that you inherited. Yes, I love that. And, and just like when you're editing a script and suddenly there's no room for that character anymore, but that character was a main character in your movie, in the movie of your life. Oh, I need a new main character. Wow. This is going to take a while to learn all these lines. Meaning stage five, integration, education, stabilization is where lasting transformation happens, but it's also the stage that takes the longest.
Mm. If you are rewiring, if you are changing something that's a big area of your identity, like let's say you've spent your life being a people pleaser, you're looking at 18 months to fully stabilize it. Mm. And so be kind, be patient with yourself and know that in this stage, it requires a lot of, a lot of action, a lot of get on stage and start to act yeah. in the way of someone that now has these new beliefs. And if you're not sure how to act in this way, this is where education comes in. This is where you can pick up the book that's specific to that or go to that workshop or find someone that already embodies that and model yourself after them, copy them, interview them, ask them and do what they do over and over again. And then over time, it will stabilize. Yeah. And it's not a matter of, will you fall off course? You will. The old identity will creep in. It's a matter of how quickly can you recognize it with love and compassion and get back in alignment. Get back on. And then one day you wake up and you're just like, wow, it's fully there. Like, I don't even remember what it was like to be that person. I know you can relate because you and I have both been on this journey. Yes. I love that. And I love those stages. And if you're listening or watching on YouTube, those are some beautiful stages to go through and definitely needed for your healing journey to be the version that you want to be. As we wrap up this episode, Anat, what would be your nugget of wisdom for anybody who's listening or watching on YouTube? Hmm. My nugget of wisdom in this moment that I feel for your audience is choose you, fully choose you. Know that, like, it's, remember that it's not who you are. It's just what you learned and that you get to be that one for yourself. And from that, there's going to be infinite magic that happens. I look at the impact of the people that I've, like there's literally babies and books and marriages and divorces and new relationships that have occurred because I chose me and therefore then chose to step into my purpose. Oh, I love that. How can my audience find you? I hang out on Instagram. It's where I post. If you follow me, I will DM you every new <laughs> follower. I'd like to get to know you. And then, yeah, if you're curious about getting getting trained in my method, learning, experiencing my work. I lead retreats as well. Trainingcampforthesoul.com. Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you're looking for a life coach or a spiritual mentor, you can book a free discovery call with me at www.fearlessfemale.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at fearlessfemale underscore coach Subscribe to my YouTube channel at Fearless Female or find me on TikTok. I'm under at paola.rosser. And if you love this episode, make sure you hit subscribe, share it with your friends and leave a review. I read every single review and I truly appreciate the time you spend writing it.